If you have your Bibles, just stay right there. I'm going to read the rest of this passage, and we're not going to really uh, go anywhere else um, in, in the Bible this morning. We're going to be right here in John chapter 5 as we continue our, our series through the Gospel of John up until Easter. And Joel, I did not get extra scriptures for this. It wouldn't hurt to have that. I noticed a lot of people don't have their Bibles. If you're able to pull John 5, 1 through uh, uh, 15, that would be great. I don't know if you, how hard that is for you to do back there. But the ver- I'm going to pick up right at verse 7. He says, Sir, the invalid re- replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. And later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. We're going to, we've got one more song to sing, and we're going to save that for the conclusion of service. We're going to conclude our service today with communion, but we're also going to be uh, just having one more time of prayer for anyone that would want prayer. And I want you to consider as we go through this message today, whether the Lord is speaking to you. Uh, and, and so I ask that your heart be open as, as we pray this morning, as we get through this message. Let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you for each and every one that is here. And I pray this often, and I know that because th- I know that things don't happen by coincidence, Lord. I believe you have a word that you've illuminated this morning that, that you want to speak to many in our congregation, including many that are watching us through Facebook, and even some that won't even be watching this service on Sunday morning, February 20th, 28th at 10.30 a.m., but will be watching this later, Lord. I believe uh, you have questions that, that you're going to speak to the heart of each one of us and that we have an answer for. So, Lord, now, may our hearts be open as we hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, today's message is entitled, uh, An Invalid Miracle. This is our third message in the series of John. Last week, we talked it through John 1. The week before, we talked about the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine. And today, we're going to get to this, this passage uh, in John chapter 5 called an invalid miracle. Um, this verse kind of reminds me, kind of reminds me of a story I was, I was listening to um, when the weather got real bad a couple weeks ago. There was, a, there was a, you know, out here in Preble County, people live out, you know, where the roads can get really bad. And this guy gets a, a knock on his door at 3 o'clock in the morning. There's a guy banging, knocking on his door, and he gets up, gets out of bed, and answers the door. He's like, sir, can you please help me? I just, I really need a push. And, you know, the weather was bad, and, and uh, he, he decided not to do it. He just, the guy, he thought the guy might have been drinking a little bit. He just thought the guy seemed a little strange and decided not to do it. So he goes back to bed, and his wife is asking him, 
who was at the door at three o'clock in the morning? He says, a guy said he's just needing a push. And uh, so, and his wife, his wife starts hitting him. He's like, and you didn't help him? You were just stuck two or three days ago and you were in a similar situation. Somebody had to come by and help you. You didn't help him? You go back to the door right now. Tell that guy you'll give him a hand. He, so he's like really, really reluctant to do it. He goes back to the door, walks outside, puts all of his winter clothes on. And he says, hey, the guy's like, finally hears the voice coming out of the darkness. Oh, thank you so much. I really, really need a push. The guy looks around, doesn't see a car anywhere. And he can't even see the guy. He says, where are you? He's like, I'm over here on your swing set. So sometimes we have to consider who it is that we are helping And that's interesting in this text because we have a similar situation right here in John chapter 5. So I want to ask you three questions today as we explore this passage. One I don't believe I have, I don't know if that I have preached on this before or I haven't preached on it, um, it definitely in the way that I'm going to approach it this morning. But today we're going to ask three questions when we get into this text. And we want to begin here with the first one. The first question about John chapter 5 is, do you have empathy or frustration for the invalid in this passage? Now, first of all, let's talk about that ridiculous word, invalid. In what? Invalid? Now, I don't, does does anybody happen to have a King James Bible in front of them? Okay. So, so you're not going to see that word in a King James. Um, you're actually going to see a couple different. You're going to see this this verse. This whole section is very different in the in the NIV and the King James. I'm going to read it to you. In the King James, it talks about in verse four, then an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water, and whatsoever then first the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole, and whatsoever disease he had. And it says in verse 5, and a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. Okay, so you see why we don't read the King James sometimes because it adds, it's, it, it's in Old English and it sounds a little different. But they also have this story about angels coming in and, and stirring the water. Where the NIV, if you, most of you have an NIV Bible, and that's what I read out of this morning. This word invalid is only found here in John 5, 5, and in John 5, 7. The only time we see this English translation for this word, uh, for what in the Greek um, is the word anis, excuse me, uh, asthenia, which simply means it's translated into English 17 times as infirmity, five times as weakness, one time as disease, one time as sickness. Um, what I'm getting at here is the word invalid is a very poor, very poor translation. I have, I, I could not, I could not determine why they use this word. And again, it's only used twice, only used here in John 5 and John 5, 7 in the English. That's the only time we see the word English. We see this Greek word many times throughout the New Testament. I just shared all those with you. But we only see the the English translation invalid a couple of times. Now, this is a military word that kind of came in in the late in the 1600s or 1700s this is a military word used to describe someone who is no longer capable of fighting oftentimes somebody who was paralyzed or whatever they were no longer capable of fighting and so 
they're, the, the NIV translators put this word in here, invalid, to describe um, this person in this text. Now, again, we talked about the water. Um, th- this is at the uh, pool of Bethesda. Um, there's believed to be like five different little pools here with you know, five different porches over top of them. And this was just an interesting place where many people uh, in, uh, in, in Jerusalem would come. And this was where a lot of people who were needing healing, uh, sickness, that's where they would go because there was belief that the, these waters possessed some healing power. Now, so we have the, the NIV using the word invalid and then the King James kind of given this strange idea of angels coming down and, and stirring the water. So I'm just going to do this real quick because I know you hear about these things every once in a while. Okay, so there is this ongoing discussion. And if, if you don't get into these things, you're, I might bore you and have you, you might fall asleep right now. But many of you guys have probably heard this debate between the King James Version and all the other versions, okay? You ever, have you ever met anybody that's a King James only person? Okay, okay, good. So you're a little bit interested in what I'm going to tell you. I want to tell you there is a legitimate argument for that. Okay, many of you would be like, oh, that's just silly. Why are you just King James only, whatever? There's a legitimate argument for, for both sides. So the quick story is this, is that for years, uh, for, for years, really until the 60s, there was what was called the Masoretic or the majority texts out there. So everything that we got scripture from came from these texts, okay? And these were the ones that were used to piece together Bible, the Bible. Majority texts weren't just like one scroll that was found. It was a lot of different scrolls, a lot of different things that they put together to come up with the Bible that we have today. The, uh, so it, what happened, though, in the 60s, which is you often hear referred to as the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, a couple of those documents were called the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus. These documents that were discovered were considered by all scholars to be much earlier than any of the majority texts. That means they were, you know, older. So closer, that because they were older, they were believed to be closer to accuracy, more accurate. And when people came by with a lot of the modern translations, they took what was found in these books, and it kind of overrided everything in the majority text and the Masoretic text. So some of your, your King James-only people will say that, wait a second, we've been looking at these scriptures for years that came from these documents, and now somebody's saying because these texts were found that these are more valid. Now, there's a case that they should be. But I want to tell you, I said all those things to tell you, I'm not going to worry about it too much, okay? What we get into, especially in a text like this, is a poor translation of a word. A man in infirmity, a man in sickness is a better translation. And But then the problem with your King James text is they have this weird thing about angels that they don't have any contextual support for, um, that, that angels were coming around and stirring the waters. So challenges with both texts in this, but the point is we have to allow God's word to speak to us today. Now, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm talking fast today. I have a, I drunk a monster drink before, and Mandy, I'm, Mandy, I'm not allowed to have those things. She doesn't want me to have them, okay, so don't tell her. And I think they get a, they get a really bad rap, um, we need to change the name. You know, they're always named after demons, like Monster and Red Bull. If, I, if we could just change the names to, like, Grace of God, Heavenly Help, I could, it could be spiritual. I have to have my Grace of God before service, honey. It's just part of life. So, anyway, um, I uh, feel like I have a lot to say this morning. So, so this is kind of what's taking place in the middle of this text, okay? 
We, got, we have this, this guy who's been at this pool. How long does it say? He says 38 years he has been this way. And it says that he has no one. So we're going to roll with this term invalid today. Because it does speak to this situation a little bit. We're going to roll with this word for a second. But I want to go back to the question now. The question I asked you was, do you have empathy or do you have frustration for this man? Because I've seen it preached both ways. There's a lot of reason to have empathy for him. 38 years he has been this way, and now he's come to the point where he can't even get in the water. He doesn't have anyone to help him in the water. But the reason that some will preach this text with frustration is because of what the man says in verse 7. Jesus asks him a pretty profound question in verse 6. He says, do you want to get well? We'll get to that question in just a minute. And the man begins to give excuses like many of us do from time to time. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then it says later in verse 14, when Jesus found him at the temple, he said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. It's often implied in that text that this man, that this miracle didn't really do anything for him spiritually. He went back to a life of destruction or a life where he continued to make a lot of mistakes. Do you have empathy for this man or do you have frustration for him? It's okay to say both. Because the important thing is that both of them are true. Some things have happened to this man that have made life hard for him. But we also need to understand that he is responsible for his current attitude toward life. And so for this man, Jesus is there to address both of these things. And so I want us to hear that this morning. So before we can talk about what happens next, I want to answer another question here. I want us to think about another question. Can you make sense, i put that next question up there, Joel. Can you make sense of the Lord's divine intervention in this text and in the world that you live in? Can you make sense of the Lord's divine intervention in this text and in the world that you live in today? Think about all the people that Jesus walked past. He is at a pool. Everybody's coming. There's a feast in Jerusalem. So everybody's coming to Jerusalem at this point in time uh, for celebration. And Jesus comes to Jerusalem. Where does he go? He goes to where all the sick people are. But do you notice all the things that he didn't do in this text? Imagine all the sick people standing by this pool and, and having a hard time. It's almost like he's asking, who's been here the longest. Who's been here the longest? And he goes and finds this man that has been there for 38 years. But what about all the other people that he didn't heal that day? Does this ever frustrate you a little bit? Do you understand the, the divine, does the Lord's divine intervention make sense to you? And then look at what happened after Jesus healed him. 
Did it seem like he was incredibly grateful? Did it seem like it changed his life? Based on the text, we could say, no, it didn't. So obviously a big piece of what's going on here is that John has an agenda with his gospel. And we talked, we've been talking about this in previous weeks. John loves signs. He loves to point to signs to show you this is who Jesus was. Water to wine was one of the first signs, okay? Here's another sign. He's healed someone who has had an infirmity for 38 years old. There was something about the length of time that that man had been sick for so long that people couldn't change. Once they'd been sick for so long, no one could heal them. So there's a sign that John is pointing to as he's writing this gospel, why he wants to bring this out about a man who had been sick for 38 years old. So there's a reason why this is in Scripture, but daggone it, the way that this worked out still does not make sense other than to tell us today that you are not going to be able to figure out the way that the Lord works when it comes to divine intervention. My answer to you, how do we explain the way the Lord works in some people's lives and he doesn't work in others? How do we know when God's going to intervene? How do we know how he's going to intervene? My answer to you will always be, I have no idea. I don't know. And it's not fair. And it doesn't often make sense. I love to tell people, I love to pray with people that are struggling to hear from God. I love to pray for them and say and believe that the Lord is going to speak to them because I believe with, with a full fiber and with everything in my being that he is going to speak to them. How? I have no idea. But the important thing is that they're going to be listening. Now, sure, there's some fundamental things that we say that we must be able to be people of prayer that make ourselves available to hear from God. We must be people to get in the Lord's word because that is a go-to way for revelation that he can always speak to us. But there are a lot of questions about divine intervention here that we could just really wrestle with for a while. Do you ever wonder why some people get healed and others don't? Do you ever wonder why there's some people that appear to be on their deathbed? They, people pray and they get better only to live another 10 to 15 years and then they pass on. And then others that all of a sudden out of nowhere, they're gone. Why does the Lord intervene in some situations and in others he doesn't? Does anyone have any answers for me? <laughs> Important thing is we're not going to figure these out. But here is, here is what's, well, I want to get to that in just a second. See, I can't think of someone in Scripture that di did not come to Jesus. Excuse me. Everyone that came to Jesus in Scripture, he gave them what they needed. Everyone that came to Jesus, he gave them what they needed. Even if what they needed was revelation like the rich young ruler. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Go sell everything and give all of your possessions to the poor. That's what Jesus said. He didn't want that, but that was what he needed to hear. And there are many people that came to Jesus that he healed. But this guy didn't come to Jesus. Jesus came to him. And why? Does the Lord intervene in some people's lives that maybe we think in our minds don't deserve it? He came to the woman at the well in Samaria. He came to Peter, who is 
one of the, the primary apostles and disciples that we read about today, he came to these people and we ask, why hasn't he come to me like that? Why won't he come to my son or my daughter or, or this person in my life that continues to, to make my life miserable? Lord, why won't you intervene in their life? And my answer for you is I still don't know. But here is the truth that we must understand this morning. We are not going to figure this one out. Other than thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We must be a part of what he is doing rather than get confused, frustrated, or depressed as Christ followers in our futile attempts to manipulate God to meet our needs and work within the box that we have created for him. That was good. I'm going to preach that again. Okay, here we go. We're not going to figure out God's timing and God's ways of his divine intervention. But what we can understand is that we must be a part of what he is doing, not the other way around. Rather, we can't get confused or frustrated or depressed as Christ followers in our futile attempts to manipulate God to meet our needs and work within the box that we have created for him. We're not supposed to understand divine intervention. That's why it's called divine intervention. In our minds, in our small feudal minds, it's never going to be fair because we're more concerned with how things work out for us. Come on. This is uncomfortable to understand this. God is going to do whatever he wants to do in the lives of someone else. God is going to bring forth his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as he has planned it. And when he's moving, we need to learn how to celebrate it and not get frustrated because it didn't work out for me. Just kind of like the excuses that this guy had in this scripture. You could look at these as excuses. He says, well, there's nobody here that can take me in the water and everybody else keeps going in front of me. So let's talk about that. It's the last question. It's the most important question in this passage. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? This is what Jesus says to the invalid. And the invalid says, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. We have many excuses. I want you to imagine the Lord asking you that question this morning. Do you want to be made well? Because quickly, some excuses could come to mind. We could rephrase that another way. Do you want to change? Do you want to do my will? Maybe our attitude isn't great, and we have lots of reasons why. It's somebody else's fault. It's the doctor's fault that diagnosed me the wrong way. They gave me the wrong medication. If you go to a ball game, it's official's fault. Maybe it's your kid's fault. 
Maybe it's your parents' fault for the things that they didn't do. Maybe it's the president's fault. It's the government's fault. It's your ex-husband's fault. It's your ex-wife's fault. It's your boss's fault. But the favorite one right now, it's COVID. Dang it. It's daggone COVID. It's just making everything miserable. We've got many excuses. And we can be in this state for so long that we can't even imagine what it would mean to be made well, especially when it's not a physical problem, when it's a problem within your soul, when we have chosen to be bitter. And we've been bitter for so long that we don't even know what it would be like to not be upset about it anymore, to not have that chip on our shoulder anymore. And Jesus says to you this morning, do you want to be made well? I have to speak to many of you this morning that I know that your health is bothering you. That your health is very frustrating. And there's good days, there's bad days. And, it, and, it, and it's always kind of number one on the list, isn't it? If I would just feel better, then, if I could just get this thing over with, then, I, if, 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 if just a little bit more comfortable, then, and you've placed physical health as the number one problem, number one challenge in your life. And the Lord is asking you, speaking through your, your, your body all the way to your soul this morning, do you want to be made well. So I shared with you in the beginning, these, these, in, these cruel, twisted NIV translators use this word invalid. Jesus would never use this word. He certainly didn't use this word with this man, never said anything about him. He just asked him a question. Do you want to be made well? But you know who else uses this word? A lot? We do. We use it a lot about ourselves. I am no longer capable of this anymore. I can't, I, I can no longer do this anymore because uh, I, this is going on in my life right now. I'm not really available in that way because of this. And we continue to find ways that we have deemed ourselves as invalid, invalid. And you know what Jesus tells this man to do? To be whole, to, to be whole again. What does he say? You've read it. It's right in the scripture. What does he say? What? That was what he told him later. Get, get up, take up your mat, and walk. He tells them to do the thing that they thought was impossible. Now, there's no question there was a supernatural miracle here. Jesus Jesus made his body whole. But also within that, Jesus was addressing the will of this man. The will had at one point been gone. This man had to make a choice. He had to make a choice in the midst of his infirmity, in the midst of his excuses, to get up and do the things that he had told himself he was not capable of doing. Come on, now that's a word for many of you this morning. Many of you even maybe watching 
uh, maybe even watching this on Facebook, that, that think that maybe you can't forgive someone, maybe you can't apologize to someone, maybe you can't get out, maybe you can't apply for another job, maybe you can't make things right with your spouse, maybe you can't make things right with your kids, maybe Maybe, maybe you can't be more active in some ways, be, shape, or form. Maybe, it just, maybe for you it's just, I, you've told yourself for so long that I can't be happy. You don't understand what happened to me. You don't understand what they did. And that's what you've been telling yourself for so long. And you have labeled yourself as invalid. Incapable of being happy. My label for myself. You know what Jesus says to you? Get up, take up your mat, and walk. Now, there's a lot going on here, a lot of theology behind this, because when, you, when they get up, when, when this man takes up his mat, now all these religious people looking around say, whoa, 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 can't do this. This man's working. Forget the fact that he's been sick for 38 years and he's now healed. This man is working on the Sabbath. Big no-no. Jesus, shame on you. Can't believe you did this. Can't believe you healed this guy. And you let him pick up his mat in the middle of the Sabbath. And John is continuing to point to who Jesus was in the middle of all of this. Jesus addressed the physical state of this man, but he was also addressing his attitude. And with that, I want to ask you just at this time to bow your heads and close your eyes for a second. We are going to sing one more song together. In just a few moments, the words are going to be on the screen. But as I was preparing this, sometimes a lot of things happen just on a Sunday morning when I come in here early and just begin to pray for you and think about this word. I hadn't planned to do this, but I cannot read this passage and see these words in John 8, and since the presence of the Lord, when Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. I do believe that there are some of you here in some way, shape, or form, or maybe even watching this on Facebook, that in some ways you've labeled yourself invalid. You've labeled yourself incapable. Maybe there is a real physical Maybe there is a real physical thing. Maybe the Lord is re- maybe today is the day of divine intervention, and today's the day the Lord is ready to heal you. And so right now, just as you're sitting there, first of all, if you believe the Lord is speaking to you in a place where no one else is looking around, just in your sign of agreement, you've recognized that I have been, I have been disqualifying myself, doggone it. God never did this. I let something that happened to me, I let something that somebody else said about me, I have, I have let, I have taken myself, I have labeled myself as invalid. Lord, forgive me. Yes, I hear your word. If that's you, just lift up your hand right now. Yes. Yes, I hear you this morning, Lord. Yes. Thank you. There's all across this room, about seven or eight people just responded because they're hearing the word of the Lord. And now, with you still with your eyes closed and heads bowed, I couldn't preach this word this morning without making an opportunity for, for some of you to come forward and just receive prayer. Maybe it's healing prayer. Maybe it's, it's not just healing of your body, but healing of your soul. So we're going to stand up together in just a minute. We're going to sing it as well with my soul. And if you'd like to come forward for, for prayer, 
I'd encourage if you can, bring your communion cups with you. We may just have you take communion right here at the altar. We're going to conclude in just a minute. Um, but we'd love to pray for you as we're singing this song. Uh, it's just going to be me this morning with COVID and everything. I'm just going to pray for you with the mask on, but I would love to have the privilege to pray with you because I want you to hear those words. Get up, take up your mat, and walk. For somebody, maybe it's not just enough that you lifted your hand in a pew. Maybe today for you, you need to take a step forward and say yes to the living God. So, so at this time, if you would like prayer, I'd invite you to come forward. Everyone else, please stand, and we're going to begin to sing this song together. It is well with my soul as we prepare for communion.
time, I want to invite you to do whatever's comfortable. We're going to partake of communion. If you'd like to take a seat, you're welcome to do that. We've had a time of uh, reflection this morning as we prepared for communion. Scripture tells us to do that. It says the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. At this time, I want to ask you to prepare your elements. That means take your plastic off in the not-so-spiritual words, okay? See, this is a symbol of the bread. This is a symbol of life. We often operate. In moments like this, when we've labeled ourselves, in moments like what we've been discussing, we label ourselves invalid. We, we, whether we recognize it or not, we're operating in the realms of death. We're operating in lines that we've created for ourselves. We're operating in lines that we've created for God. That This is all that I am capable of. And the Lord, in moments like this, wants to give us new life. He wants to sustain us. He wants to remind us that we are not alone. And as long as you are breathing here on this earth, he is not done with you yet. And so now in this moment, let's partake of the bread together. Verse 25, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This cup is the symbol of Christ's blood for us. It's a symbol of grace that is there for us time and time again. I know I've preached many times before that that the Lord doesn't have issues with our mistakes and our failures. That's what he died for. We do. And these are moments when we come back to the table, be reminded of who we are and the, and the Christ that died for us. So today, Lord, this is a symbol that we receive your blood. We receive your grace this morning. Let's partake of the cup together. Lord, all across this church, I thank you. All across those that are watching this online, those that have come forward and those that have lifted up their hands to confess. It's just a universal truth here. A universal truth that, that stuff happens to us in life. Stuff that some things we cause, sometimes we make mistakes, but, but oftentimes things just happen. And whether it was our intentions, whether it's something we did or something that's happened to us, sometimes the result is still the same. We can label ourselves incapable. We can label ourselves unworthy. We can label ourselves frustrated or depressed. And Lord, in those moments, the living God, your anointing, and in your way of grace, you have this way of speaking to us that says, get up, take up your mat, and walk. You speak to us with a sense that we have a responsibility with our own lives, but also that there is a greater authority 
than, than the powers and principalities of this world. We serve the living God who is the creator of the universe, that we get to get on the same page with you and be about your kingdom come, your will be done, about your plans here in this world, and we get to be a part of what you are doing. And so, Lord, it's so easy to say yes to you. Your ways are better than mine. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And Lord, thank you for walking with me. Thank you, Lord, that you never let me go. I push myself away from you, and I disqualify myself. I label myself as invalid, but, Lord, you do an invalid miracle. You do a miracle where I've said no, you say yes. Yes, you can have joy again. Yes, you can be happy again. Yes, you can be made whole again. Yes, you can forgive. Yes, you can love. And yes, even in the midst when it doesn't make any sense at all, you can rejoice in your circumstances because I am with you. Lord, we thank you for these yes moments. We thank you that you are the living God that is with us. Your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to invite you this morning to stand for our benediction. That's you guys. <laughs> I'll try to make the instructions a little clearer next time. Um, your benediction this morning. May your response to the living God for today and tomorrow be one without excuses. Yes, Lord, make me well. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.